Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I am joined by a friend and integral mentor from whom I have learned a great deal, Shane McDermott. And hey, Shane. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. So, Shane, let me introduce you by saying a bit about what I've learned from you. Sure. I think there's really two things that I can point to. One is that um, in terms of my body, my body is not as solid as I thought it was. And I've already sort of been working on this idea that the body's not solid through Buddhist training and so forth, and even, you know, physics. But you brought a new realization of that to me. That's one. And the second is that it's almost a fluidity in the time dimension that while the body is here and now, it carries the you know sort of ongoing collecting karma of your life. So our bodies really carry our stories and of course wounds. And so between those two insights of this sort of plasticity of the body, that not as solid as I thought, and this ever present move moment, a movement moment thing where I can, I just have more ability to work there and, and, you know, for healing, for being alive, just being more body awake. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I think you've been paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, to say a little bit more about that, it, it is a real deep connection, a systemic integration and synthesis of the mind and the body is the approach that I use in my therapeutic model, which I call awakening the wisdom body. Yeah. And yes, it's about creating a congruency of the mind and body. You know, we, we can definitely reflect on how we've developed our personality and persona over the years and decades, but our body too is on an evolutionary developmental path. And, you know, if we've been on the planet more than a couple of decades, we encounter things with our mind and body that feel unresolvable or traumatic or causes injury. Then our life force becomes arrested at that point in life. And Mm -hmm. the process that I use is about liberating that life force, bringing it back to the present moment Mm -hmm. so that it can be accessed for healing towards wholeness and no longer remaining fractured or fragmented. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, it, it, I think about it from just sort of a basic integral map point of view where we have our upper right and we have our upper left quadrant. And yeah. either of these are a, an access point into the whole, into the whole all four quadrants of our makeup. Uh, but they each have their own flavor, and they're and and it, it was interesting because you and I last night were here at my house meeting with a couple guys from England who were doing workshops on personal growth, and you know 
people encountering other people in the moment and doing processes and having realizations and so forth. And that's a way in. And yeah. your way in is through the body. Yes. And this world of the body. And yes. that's sort of the, that's the upper right quadrant as opposed to the upper left quadrant. I just want to point that out for the integral map that's in the, Audio. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's four doors into one reality. Mm -hmm. And you can choose which door you want to enter. Yeah. But yeah. It, and if we go to, since you mentioned four doors, the lower left would be the world of our relationships and the culture. Yes. You know, and that inner world of the loose, the liquid space between us. Mm -hmm. And then the lower right is, you know, our work in the world. What are we actually doing and how are we relating to the whole big system? Yeah, you know, and all of those are access points into all four. And what's interesting is, in some ways, the body's the one that seems the most limited. Because, yeah. you know, it's stuck up there in the upper right, but actually, it too, gives us entree and in, in, in a unique entree, in some ways, an easier entree into particularly traumas, right? And some of the stuff that just has us emotional or, you know, or life force blocked. Yeah. Yeah, the body is really interesting in that because, you know, in, in through any one of those, those doors takes us into a tetrarising reality of which the body is the vessel of expression. You have a conflict with your body and it usually is going to, stem from one of three things. We have issue with the way we look aesthetically. And a lot of that is conditioning. We also take issue with the way our body feels. And that can be anywhere from how it feels after we've eaten, how we feel waking up in the morning, how we feel with intimacy, how we feel in relationship with others. The body signals through a felt sense. And Oftentimes, that's in deep conflict for a lot of people. It's pain. Yeah, pain. Exactly. And then the last one is how it functions or doesn't function. And we take issue with that. So that can be, you know, just how we're able to move freely in our body, how we're able to breathe, get in and out of vehicles, move through the dynamics of day-to-day -day existence. It could be how our body functions sexually, how our body functions at night sleeping, if we get good quality sleep. It's one of those three things. We have issue with how our body feels, looks, and functions. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach your clients with this? I mean, what's your sort of diagnostics or how does it work? And, and particularly, how could we, who are just listening to you, how could we get some insight into how we can explore this ourselves? So, you know, the approach that I call it, I frame it awakening the wisdom body. So what is the wisdom of the body? I've identified seven, what I feel to be key wisdom drives of the body. And I say wisdom drives because every single one of these drives is alive and active day to day, 24 seven. Okay? Yeah. Yet they take on personal unique expressions in each and every body. And they're really simple. And this is, this is not to be missed because we do these every day. So the wisdom drives hunger, thirst, rest, 
movement, touch, time in nature, and procreation. So when we look at that list, it's like, yeah, I eat, I sleep, I drink, I move, got them covered, no problem. But when we think about this a little bit more deeply, who, who and what is making the decision about those drives? Oftentimes it's ideas in the mind or concepts that of how we should eat, how we should sleep, how we should move, how much time we should spend in nature, how we touch each other. When we can start to really drop our awareness into the body, the body will have something different to say. And this is huge because the body's natural wisdom drives, these transcendent wisdom drives of just the human condition will tell us, the body will signal very accurately with incredible intelligence how much we need to move, how much we need to drink, what we need Mm -hmm. to drink, what we need to eat, how Mm -hmm. much sleep we need, how much touch we need, how much time in nature we need. Mm -hmm. When we can start to cultivate this deep listening of the body's wisdom drives or intelligence, Mm -hmm. the body knows how to heal itself. Wow. Well, I'll just give you a quick example, Shane. I mean, I have been, like most people, just uh, hypnotized by this idea that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's as simple as that. And I've never really liked breakfast. And I don't want to eat when I get up. And to allow myself to not do that, you know, in my 60s, has released me from, I don't know what, what was I thinking? Right. You know, I'm much happier and much, uh, I have much better energy through the day. And I also eat less through the day if I don't start at, you know, eight in the morning. So, right. Yeah. The difference is you're feeling rather than thinking about it. Yeah. Listening to the body and the body doesn't want your body in the morning doesn't want food. Yeah. And it's actually not that subtle. You know, if yeah. I, once I stop to, you know, listen even a little bit. Yes. Yes, exactly. When we surrender our power to external authorities, then there's no deep listening to the body. Right. We need to take that power back in appropriate ways. Certainly external authorities, you know, things like functional medicine and really good functional exercise and sleep science can teach us. It's not, it's not excluding those. It's using those, but also a deep listening of the body. Well, I'll give you another example for me is sleep. It, I used to worry about not sleeping. Now I don't care. And it's so great to not care because I go to bed and I sleep. And if I don't, I get up and I often get up in the middle of the night. And sometimes I'll do something and sometimes I won't. And I don't care because if I have a not so great night's sleep one night, the next night I have a good night's sleep. And whatever, my body's going to sleep if I let it. I also have incorporated an afternoon nap into the situation, and I like that. Yeah, that's a great example of just attuning to the body, deep listening, and understanding what the body needs when it needs it. The time in nature. But I think it's really important, and it's actually one for me, that I'm wondering if I do enough, you know. Mm. I, I have my garden and I hike around Boulder 
uh, some, but now I've, um, as you know, about to get knee surgery. So yes. I've been a little out of commission and will be for a while. And I wonder if I'm missing that in ways that I don't appreciate. Yeah, perhaps so. It, when we start to think about the elemental makeup of the natural world, all those elements are alive in and as our bodies. And that's part of the wisdom drive that's being informed from the natural world. Is, is the natural world, wherever we are on the planet, cycles through the seasonal transitions. That's deep information that is registered on a cellular neurological level in our bodies. Hmm. When we're in fabricated environments that are very temporarily, you know, mind constructed. Concrete, so there's, there's clocks, there's lights, yeah. there's, yes. yeah. There, yes. The indoors, yeah. Shane. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it was a great reality. invention at the time. I mean, being stuck outside is overrated. But <laughs> with that said, you don't want to completely wall yeah, off. It's finding the balance, right? Yeah. It is finding a balance. But yeah. our body will tell us how much time we need in nature to reattune to the elemental drives of the natural world to the seasonal cycles and the shifts of the yeah. natural world. Well, and I love what you say about just, you know, we are the natural world. We are. You know, we're, we're what the natural world produced. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, for better or worse. But, but, but that, just feeling that, you know, walking in, and there is a difference between manicured nature, like a garden, and wilderness. Yes. Uh, and the, the wilderness part is the part I don't think I'm getting enough of. And it's funny because I live, you know, down the street from it. You know, you don't have to go on a wilderness retreat for 10 days. It's just access to the natural world exactly as it is. It's not constructed or fabricated by human beings. Mm -hmm. it's just the natural rhythms and cycles of, of nature. Mm -hmm. And that attunes our nervous system it attunes our minds it attunes our whole cellular drive yeah and you do it i mean you're always going out there on some expedition or other and you know in the middle of nowhere with your camera or your and your, and your photography students you're also a photography teacher yes uh, and a beautiful photographer oh my god um, yeah. i love your stuff and we actually, since we're on it, do uh, you have the website? I'll, I'll print it, but just... Oh, for my photography? Yeah. Yeah, it's shanemcdermottphotography.com. Yeah. yeah. And you really do have a, a, a transmission of nature that I think is really powerful, Shane. Well, thank you. And nature really shows me how she wants to be seen. And the more present and attuned I am, with the sort of elemental intelligence of the natural world, then yeah, spectacular expressions come out of that. Just sort of as a side effect of just being present and attuned to my body and to the connection of the natural world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you were telling me how you uh, deal with your photography students. And, uh, and the, the, the idea is to, Go out, just go out and be attuned, or what's how, how, how did you put that? So, it's about developing a relationship with the natural world. It's okay, also, so here I am with my camera, yeah, and I've stepped out of my tent, yeah, and there I am. And so, then what? I'm in a forest, there's a mountain, there's a stream. Okay, from a typical 
approach for to, for to photography, then it becomes about oh, what's out there that I can get? What's out there? So that, I want to take this home with me. This is so good. I want to take this home with me. I get that one. That that I had when I was eight in my little brownie yeah. camera. Yeah, but it's out there. Yeah, there's a boundary that's created. Right, separation of what's out there and what's in here. And this can be related back to the healing too. But from the photography perspective, it's like teaching people through awareness practices to soften or dissolve that boundary of out there and in here and recognize that our body, our body, mind, heart is the primary instrument of photography, not the camera. The camera is just a little black box with a piece of glass so we can project our awareness through that lens and receive the projection of nature back in through that lens. So it can be just really a clear transmission back and forth. And then the boundary of what's out there and what's in here softens. Right. Then we can start to come into relationship with the natural world. And, and, and in a way that we're actually using our body too, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, and definitely. That I get. So I can get a little more in my body there instead of just mm-hmm. in my head and my eyes mm-hmm. and soften the whole situation. When you're walking through nature by yourself or with a friend, um, start to notice what causes you to stop, like what gets your attention. The natural world is seductive. That's what Gaia is. She's a seductive machine, seducing all species, plants, animals, everyone. Oh, that's, that's, that's lovely. It's true, isn't it? She wants to be noticed. That's why birds have plumes and flowers have beautiful petals. And it's just aesthetic beauty for seduction to be in constant relationship with bees and flowers and, and the grazers and the grasslands. And what is the feeling of that seduction? Yeah. Not the ideas of that. Right. Well, that gets to something I was thinking about is that there, back when I was doing, um, well, particularly when I was doing rafting, but also hiking to some degree, I would do this practice where I would just imagine myself as having, of, of not having a modern mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, there I am in the river and I'm looking at the cliffs and I don't know that this is about erosion and 10,000 years and I don't know anything about geology. All I know is here I am. Yeah. Hear this yeah. yeah. And so so that's how human beings have related to nature for most of human history, like ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time. Yes. Yes. There. Yes. And then all of a sudden, particular you know, to the degree that I can do this, then not only am I just there, but it's there for me. Yes. And it has Everything has is related. Wants to talk to me. Yes. You know, everything has something to say. Yes. And that's really it, cool. It is. It's really and it's really cool what comes out of that as far as photographic expressions because, you know, long term students with me for photography, I, I teach them that we're not looking at nature. The, the, it's not actually a camera lens we're looking through. It's actually a mirror. 
because we share so much of the elemental we exchange and relationship with the natural world that nature will inform us how she wants to be seen. And in that looking, we see ourselves. So the photographic representations then become reflections of our attunement to the natural world. Mm. Instead of photographic extractions of something we took out of the natural world. Right. It's like or we're paying, we're doing ourselves. the rule of thirds and all of the, yeah. all of that. Yeah. 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 I don't do that uh, kind of photography. Uh, well, thank God because yeah. your photography, uh, I, I, I shouldn't maybe say this, but you did something I really hate a friend to do. And that is give me a work of art because then I have to hang the fucking thing, whether I like it or not. <laughs> Fortunately, I love what you gave me. Oh, and I, I, even, I, I, could, I could actually put it in this video if anybody's yeah. watching. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, talk about marrying heaven, heaven and earth. That's, that's what it does. Well, so, so, so that brings us back to the body and healing, because in a, in a way we could have that same kind of relationship with the body where we're just, you know, it's a wonderland, as that one song said, your body's a wonderland. Yes. And, um, and that's a different relationship to it than, oh, my elbow hurts. Yes. What can I take? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, so that's cool. So, um, if, so if we look at this sort of karmic temporal piece where the, you know, we carry our whole story with us. And uh, so this now gives us an opportunity to really take on some of the pain of our lives and some of the stuck parts and some of the, what we use a general term traumas of our life. Yeah. And, um, and you actually come by your knowledge of this, your capital K knowledge, I would uh, submit uh, firsthand through an experience that you had when you were a child that, um, you know, maybe you just share a little bit about it and, and, you know, how that brought you into your awareness of, you know, how trauma works and how to deal with it as as adults. Yeah, boy, I feel like it's, it's been a beautiful coupling of studying and being very committed to working with several different modalities of coaching, of meditation, of body work, of movement. And then starting to take whatever I could learn from that and looking into my historical timeline of who I believe myself to be. And life caused major kinks in my mind, heart, and body. And it was only when I started to work with my own personal experience did I start to realize how these different modalities seem to fit together in in a coherent way. You know, and I, I told you about that one experience when I was six years old, but I've had, I would say, five or six that have been sort of really deeply informing and deeply impactful and transforming. That one, when I was six, I ended up in, I spent all of my sixth year in the hospital because I had uh, bone cancer in my leg and I was not supposed to live. It was supposed to be terminal and, or I, they were telling me that I would lose my leg. So I was in the hospital bed for a year and 
or the good part of the year. year. That's such a year you want to be running around. So, you know, it breaks my heart. Yeah. To this. You know, I, I'll describe it in the simplest way because here's where part of the problem arises is that I have a very sophisticated narrative now, or I could spin a very sophisticated narrative of that event. I could put all sorts of meaning to it, make it very esoteric and transcend it. And that's not what it was. Not even close. I had, all I'll say is that I had what I would call a visitation. No images, no figures, no beings, no light, nothing sensational. But it was an undeniable presence that assured me I was okay. That's all. And to really keep it in that perspective really honors the shame, the small shame that experienced that and allows me to reintegrate that aspect of myself, um, the we one of myself into this current perspective and not distort it with very sophisticated overlays of, well, it wasn't that, it was actually all this really sophisticated spiritual stuff. No, it wasn't. It was just, I was okay. Yeah. And it was after that experience that within a couple of weeks, I had a spontaneous healing and was out of the hospital. Right. And you were sure you were okay. Yeah, I was sure I was okay. Yeah. Exactly. Now, did you, when you talk about then, you know, overlaying all sorts of sophisticated analysis, did you have to then work your way back therapeutically yeah. to yeah. that original? Yeah. Yes. Yes. To meet it on its own terms, to meet that version of shame, the small shame on his own terms, on my own terms, mm -hmm. and experience that time period of my life exactly it, it is just in the way that it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so then there it is then. You have it, right? Is it, yeah. That becomes a, a, a conscious part of you. Yeah, exactly. And that, that six-year-old, it's it's liberated into a you know bigger shade, but it is what it is, and he is who he is, and you know, God yeah. bless him. Right, exactly, because that shade then had to spend almost a year immobilized in a bed. Right. Not that's not cool from this perspective, and it certainly wasn't cool from that perspective. But that's reality as it was, and to really allow that, accept that, and integrate that as to liberate that life force back into this sense of self is huge healing. It's mm -hmm. healing towards wholeness. It takes that fractured, fragmented, isolated experience and state and stage of my life and brings it current. Mm -hmm. So it's so I would do that just by contemplation um, you know, feeling in, I mean, is can you give me any guidance into how I might find the source or some of the deeper structures of my unwanted yeah. material? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some simple ways of working with this. And sometimes it, the deep traumas, you know, we bump into life and it causes injury, illness, trauma, body distortion issues and, and, and issues around aging. You know, typically after 40 years, we start to become concerned and resistant about our body changing with age. So those are the primary causations. 
injury, illness, trauma, aging. So for everyone listening and for yourself, you can just start to think back of, identify three things that have happened in your life with your body that were just like, ah, that left a kink. That left sort of like a fixation. I couldn't really resolve that, make sense of it, make, make meaning of it. And it left an impact into who you think you are. And then we can st- and then just take one of those, but you can you can work with these one at a time. So identify three. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone could identify three. And what things. might be an example? I'm trying to think of what oh, could myself. be. Well, certainly what your experience as a child that would be one, but could be a bad injury, a bad uh-huh. fall, a car accident, sports related injury. Mm-hmm. Like that. that could be one. Could be a trauma. Could be a childhood trauma, sexual trauma. Could be some sort of emotional, some sort of abuse trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Also be um, body image issues. It's just like, you know, when I was like 12 years old, I was a little overweight and people were, ma- kids were making fun of me. And mm-hmm. that sort of caused me to go in and kink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could have been an, an illness, yep. an illness like I had. Yeah. So that you know, some form of illness that laid you out for a few weeks and you don't really feel like you ever fully recovered from that. Yeah. And in real time, I mean, in present moment, you feel it as something that is unwanted, basically, right? Some anxiety, some depression, some pain, some contraction, some, some whatever, longing. Yes, yes. Something that is unresolved in our field. And it takes on We'll keep it simple. It takes on three primary flavors. It's going to take on a story. You've had injury, illness, trauma, age-related distortions, body image distortions. You can have a story around it. Oh, it's this. This is the cause. This is why. A mental story around it. You're going to have some felt sense of what that leaves you feeling like. Maybe you had a bad injury, that you know, back injury that has caused structural and functional limitations ever since that. It's going to leave uh, an an impression of a felt sense in your body. And then there's going to be physical, structural, both structural and functional impressions in your body or limitations in your body. Mm -hmm. So when we we encounter injury, illness, trauma, aging-related distortions, it has a mental component to it the story we tell on ourselves it's going to have a feeling an emotional component to it and it's going to leave uh, some sort of structural and functional limitation or fixation in our body mm-hmm. now, so, so so let me stop you there because i could follow you uh but to the third point so i could identify a trauma in my childhood okay. that left me with a sense of anxiety Mm-hmm. That I could still feel as a 64-year-old man. Okay. Uh, and, and I've identified it and I've dealt with it and wrestled with it my whole adult life. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure I know where it is in my body. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I got the story. I got the emotional. But the body, I mean, I could feel it in my belly. Uh I can watch it sort of morph as a almost 
you know, plasticky thing that is literally morphing in my body. Yeah. Uh, but, but that still doesn't feel like my physical body or am I just, you know, dense? Let me expand on this a bit more and then take you right back into your example. Okay. The level of the mind, that's a temporal deformation of that experience for you. Emotionally, and in the body, there's going to be a spatial deformation or a disruption. And then functionally, it's going to result in a particular behavioral or postural adaptation around that, that occurrence for you. So it's temporal, spatial, and behavioral. So now let's go back into that. If we just think about this, then basically you're taking the 64-year-old sophisticated perspective of Jeff now and thinking about what was the cause of that, what was the meaning of that, how did that happen? That's the problem. We're taking very sophisticated current perspectives and imposing it on the original experience. This is where awareness becomes really important, awareness and breath. Simple practices, we've You've, I know you've done a ton of this, but if we frame it as it's slightly different, the breath and our capacity to move awareness through our body will tell you where that situation is still alive, kinked, fixated in your physical body, in your emotional body, and in your mind. When we can work with awareness, I know you've done a ton of meditation. When we can work with breath and awareness and start to Hold that, that experience that you had around anxiety when you were a youngster. You hold that at the forefront and you use breath and awareness to move through your body like a scan. You'll start to notice that there's certain parts of your body that don't respond to the breath. And awareness can't seem to fully penetrate that part of the body. This is using the body's um, proprioceptive and wisdom drive to scan and notice where life force is restricted or inhibited. You won't be able to move awareness into that area of the body and the breath won't move as easily into that area of the body. Okay. You, you got me on the hook here. Uh, am I, so I have a pretty good um, uh, uh, ability to sort of see a energy body, if you will, as I'm meditating, or be aware of that, sort of the morphing of all that. But in terms of the physical body, um, I just feel like it's blank. I mean, so I would find a part of the, so is that what we're talking about, Shane? Is the actual meat, flesh, bones of my body? Yes. Yes. All right, cool. Where that's Nothing. I got nothing there. Okay, so this is where movement is really revealing, because if we hold that that injury or trauma, whatever, however you want to, whatever feels most authentic to the original occasion or the original experience, does it feel traumatic or does it feel like an injury? Whatever it is for you, you can start to recognize there's a story around what happened, what caused that anxiety. Yeah, got that. Okay, but that story needs to be told 
from how old were you? Six. Okay. So same age as I was. Yeah. So rough six years. I know. Year of life. I think something's going to get you around there, but yeah. Right. Yeah. So you need to revisit that story and the experience from a six year old perspective. Right. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah. You need to like really inhabit that. And this is where you use breath and awareness. Right. So recall what happened, who was present, the situation where you were living. Try to allow as much of that six-year-old perspective to yeah. receive what was present in your life yeah. that caused that trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try to recall as many of the feelings. Anxiety is certainly one. Are there more? From a six-year-old perspective, what what was your body like at six years old from, from what you can feel, not remember? Memory is partly okay here, but feel it, feel it. You'll start to recognize that there's impressions of that situation that still live in your mind as feelings in your body. You've identified that. And then certain behaviors or postural tones in your body. When you feel into that anxiety of a six-year-old, your body will start to take on a particular shape. Right. Every state, there is a correlative shape. Yeah. You know, in the upper left, the state of anxiety at six years old has a correlating shape of your body. When you start to reanimate that shape, you'll start to notice breath and awareness doesn't move freely in that shape. Mm-hmm. Then we can start to use touch, forms of body work, and very subtle movement repatterning to release the structure of your body and to release and introduce new functional expressions into your body. Really? Yeah. 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 And you do that with an actual laying on of hands. Yeah. Part of it is, you know, the structural part is often done with the body work contact with contact. Right. Releasing structural fixations in the body through fascia, muscle, bones, joint. Right. 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 Reorganizing and and reconfiguring the structural orientation of your body. Yeah. then the functional aspect is that now we use movement, breath, spine, movement to re to repattern movement potentials because they're sometimes these are very subtle when it feels like a an injury around something like something happened to you at six years old and it's left you with this anxiety. There wasn't like necessarily a physical injury, right? Impact injury but it's been more of an injury to the subtle body. But you're in the upper left, the state, your perspective at that time, at six years old, created a particular adaptation to your physical body that is still present. So we need movement to repattern that, to release the functional limitations. Well, and this takes me back to the first thing I said I learned from you, which is that the body is more malleable, plastic, fluid yes. 
than yes. we thought. And I'd love if you would share a little bit of what you share, have shared with me over you know, the time we've spent together sure. uh, of how that is, you know, that even our bones aren't solid. That was a really a great insight for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I've done a lot of um, anatomy work with some of the best anatomists in the world, um, John Charkey, Joanne Avison, who are doing plastination. John Charkey was part of the, um, the whole body worlds exhibit, doing plastination of, of bodies, of cadavers. And, and that was that uh, art installation, the travel. Yeah. City to city, with yes. showed all of the organs of the body, and um, yes. yeah, that was yes. a big deal yes. a while back. Yeah, so I had the great pleasure of working with him and photographing his work. And what you started to really see is the crystal, the liquid crystal nature of the body, the fascial, the fascial organ of the body is particularly fascinating. Um, my good friend Joanne writes in her book that she considers it to be the architecture of spirit in the body because fascia. If we're talking fascia, okay. Fascia, yes. And explain what that is. Fascia, well, the, the generic term for fascia is connective tissue, but it's far more than that. It's the intelligent matrix of our body that keeps everything together and apart simultaneously, which is extraordinary when you think about it. Fantastic. Fascia weaves its way through every cell of our body without exception. There's no exceptions. It invests, it envelops, it enfolds and refolds every single structure of our body. Wow. Vessels, arteries, nerves, bones, muscles, um, lymphatic tissue, organs, brain tissue, eyes. There's no exception. Fascia is like this gosmere-like fluid crystal that weaves its way in and through every single cell tissue of the body. Wow. So it keeps, every, it keeps our bones and muscles and organs and arteries and nerves apart and together simultaneously. Yeah. And that alone is sort of has wow. almost a mystical sort of an implication to it. Yes. And, and we yeah. can, I mean, we, so when I hear that, I could see it, you know, I could feel it. I could feel yeah. my body as something other than just a skeleton with yes. the meat hanging on it. And I knew I had connective tissue because I've had trouble with some of it and blah, blah, blah. But to see the whole thing as a gossamer, what you call it, a gossamer net. Liquid crystal. L gossamer liquid crystal. It's in the embryological phase of development. The first oh. thing that forms is a light streak. Ah. And scientists, fascial scientists are experimenting with this, of disrupting that light streak, that primitive light streak. And when oh, they right. disrupt it, there's massive deformations of of the creatures, of the animals that they're disrupting. Yeah. So this is like, it's the liquid light crystal and the whole fascial matrix emanates out of that. And to think of it as this very fluid crystal lattice of our body that, move, that light moves through, awareness moves through this whole fashion, this whole organ of organization, 
our awareness, our perspective, our the way we can move our consciousness into the body, the fascia becomes the conduit of that. It's the carrier frequency. It becomes the carrier of the frequency of consciousness through our body, through awareness, just moving awareness into our body. The, the fascia structure becomes the conduit or the carrier of that mm -hmm. conscious wave through our body. Mm -hmm. So wow. everything that we experience throughout our entire lives is imprinted and, and has a signature frequency in the fascia. Mm -hmm. So this is part of the healing towards wholeness. And when we encounter situations, injury, illness, trauma, that we can't resolve, it's a disruption of the consciousness in the fascia itself, in the fascial matrix itself. Wow. So then healing towards wholeness is about releasing, liberating the light or the consciousness in the fascial matrix and bringing it back to the present moment. Wow. Mentally, emotionally, physically. Right. And there are all sorts of ways to do that, I'm sure. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that's indeed what you're doing. Yes. So then let me just think about this for a second. So then knowing that, I, when I find that six-year-old, um, there's some reality of that, uh, of that uh, fascial um, network or whatever, the, the liquid crystal, mm -hmm. that is, that's, a, that's a way for me to access that six-year-old, right? Or... Conceptually, yes, but practically, no, because six-year-olds couldn't understand this. Well, if I was sure I do. to six-year-olds, I would frame it very differently. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but this is part of the problem, I think, in healing is that, wow, it's incredible to hear this. I know. I mean, I'm fascinated with it. When I was looking at the pictures that I was taking, I, I could see the you know, macro pictures, I could see the fluid crystals in the fashion. I was like, oh my God, wow. This is like so confirming to everything I intuited it. Now, who, what are they doing? What's the actual experiment or the research? Well, you know, it's just the cutting edge of fascial science. And there's people like, I guess I, from a photographic perspective, I would be included in that. Um, but people like John that are trying to tell a different story about coming into relationship with the body, that it's much more fluid and dynamic and consciously organized than it is solid and sort of right. fixated. Right, right. So it's right. just, a, it's a, you know, it's a very integrated story about our bodies. Right. Is right. necessary right. And I guess even, you know, just as I think about, so what's the usefulness of this to me in this moment? It's just knowing that in a way. Sure. I mean, just having a different paradigm, a different view, a different perspective yes. on the whole thing gives me different access. Yes. You know, all of a sudden, it's uh, things were, are possible that weren't when it was this, you know, meat hanging on a skeleton. Exactly. Yes. And also but it won't help the six-year-old heal right? necessarily. Right. So it's like, 
going back to that experience and meeting it on its own terms. There was, right. there was a particular state of mind, a particular emotional reality for you, and a particular way that your body was able to move and express. That's what you have to re-inhabit. Right. Not this li- liquid crystal matrix story. I like the liquid crystal Beautiful. matrix. Beautiful. I know. Story. I know. But you can... You can keep it in this perspective and allow it to inform you <laughs> from the present to the future, but it's not going to be very useful going back to reclaiming lost yeah. life force. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Reclaiming lost life force. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good uh, thing to do, isn't it? It is. That's, yeah. you know, I think that's a really a powerful thing to do, which is a big reason why we have trouble being fully present because so much of our life force, it's like one of my brilliant teachers, Carolyn May, says one of her favorite inquiries was like, where have you left yourself other than here? It's like, well, that's, that's an interesting way of putting it. Where have we left our life force other than here? The way she would frame it is you get, you're, you're gifted with 100 units of life force of divine currency every day. Where are you going to invest it? You would invest it unconsciously back into unresolved traumas, injuries, illnesses. Hmm. And if we do that, then we're ending up in a presence deficit. We can't be fully present. So the importance of being able to go back and reclaim or liberate lost life force mentally, emotionally, physically is really important. And it liberates that currency, that divine currency of presence and allows us to be fully available to what is now and fully embrace and integrate all the past injured, traumatized versions of ourselves and bring that life force present. Right. Well, it's, it's really great to hook what I'm ruminating about to actual finite amount of life force, mm-hmm. you know, so that it's not just free. I don't get to have negative self-talk and, you know, uh, you know, what, what are they? Self-involved ruminations <laughs> and get away with it. Actually. I, it seems like I get away with it because life goes on, but there's a price I'm paying in terms of life force. And I love that. Um, formulation of we all get a hundred coins every each morning and how are we spending it? Because when I look at it that way, I want to spend it more wisely. Yeah. Than I do when I think it's just all free and nothing's attached to anything. Yeah. 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 So very good. So you worked with Carolyn Mace Mace? Mace. You worked with Carolyn Mace. Yeah. Back in early two thousand I worked with her for four years studying Sacred contracts and medical intuition. Yeah. Yeah, she's and, and, a brilliant, and, brilliant teacher. Yeah, I know she is. And and she's been uh, a friend of Ken Wilber's and in the integral scene for a while. And yeah. what would you say that you get? I mean, there's certainly that. Uh, anything else that you would say that you got from her? Um, well, she wrote a, a beautiful book, Why People Don't Heal and How They Can. And that's a big part of it is like where are circuits of our life force? If we think of them sort of like, if we're just really this 
no, we can uh, we can come back to the crystal lattice, the fluid crystal lattice. That we're just a, a fluid crystal lattice of light. Yeah. And when we're fully present, and we start to take like fiber optic strands of that completely present liquid light crystal, and we start to plug it into past events, relationships, trauma, injury, illness. Let's just keep it in the realm of our body. Unresolved conflicts with our body, however many there are. Start with the big ones and start to assign a value. Oh, that injury or that trauma still runs 25 units of my life force every day. Then we can start to think about if we're to truly heal, because we to, to truly heal, we need to be, we need to have a lot of energy and we need to be present. We need to be fully present. What is it going to take to unhook those circuits and reclaim that life force and bring it back to the present moment so that our body is infused and energized with an abundance of energy and presence? That's healing towards wholeness. Because every occasion, injury, illness, trauma that we're still plugged into keeps us fractured and fragmented. I feel like you're sort of laying out what the future of therapeutic practice will be, or at least the leading edge of it, because that makes perfect sense. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To keep us separate, to keep aspects of our, our sense of self separate and fragmented keeps us broken yeah we yeah. have to bring these different aspects of our self-sense into wholeness and integrate yeah, yeah. well i can't the- help but see that you know with gratitude that the, how these all came on in the last hundred years and or you know some of these are ancient practices meditation sure. yoga and so forth yeah but that that they have all become available yeah. in our culture and yes they've they've been siloed that's just, I think that's the nature of how it works. Yeah. But here they all are now. Yeah. You know, we know a whole lot. Yes. Oh, my God, what we know. Yes. And to actually integrate it into something that is a simplicity beyond the complexity. Yes. Is, I think, what's next. And I think you just laid that out in some ways. Yeah. To allow the clearly differentiated aspects of ourselves to then come into wholeness and integration and integration yeah right yeah on. we're really good at separating and differentiating but not super good at integrating yeah well that's what's next yeah yeah <laughs> cool man uh anything else you want to make sure we know geez that's a good question what i would say while you're thinking is this yeah. man is 55 years old and if he took your shirt off you would be convinced he's 28 Ooh. uh and he, you, you, Shane, you are the best advertisement for your methodologies of anybody I have ever seen. So, <laughs> thank you. Jeff. I do try to practice what I preach. Yes. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. that poor little kid to wheelchair, for would you say, 10 months, you told me at one point. Yeah. Uh, to a 55 year old doing acrobatics and headstands and walking on your hands. And Jesus, Lord, man. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've pulled it together. <laughs> thank you. I just teach what I most have to learn. And I just keep super humble about that. And there's 
always deeper integrations and always a fuller sense of wholeness that I feel like is available. So I, I practice this, you know, yeah. this what I do, I, because I have to learn it. Right. Yeah. And you enjoy that. I mean, that's you know, what you say. You like do 90 minutes of acrobatics or, you know, walking on your hands or what, what is it that you do? I do. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty eclectic practice. I, I train for two to three hours a day and it involves different forms of, um, yes, acrobatics, gymnastics, um, it's more freeform. If I had to sort of summarize it, it's freeform movement. Mm-hmm. So it's really freeing the body's form to find expression, spontaneous expression. So I do oh, some yoga and some strength training, acrobatics, gymnastics. And then it comes together, it culminates into more of a free flow, spontaneous yeah. practice. Well, that, I mean, in a sense, isn't that what we're talking about here? I yeah. Mean, because I know from your resume, you've done the Korean this and the meditation and the, you know, but it all comes together in a, um, you know, what you're talking about, which is in, in a way the simplicity beyond the complexity. Yeah. You bring all of the mastery in these various lineages online and they want to integrate. They, they just, do. Yes. You know. And they'll find a unique, spontaneous expression in the moment. And that changes through every state and stage of my life. I hope to be doing handstands when I'm 90 or 100. Great. But I'm not attached to it. It's just like it's going to be state and stage appropriate. And I want my body, my mind, my soul, my heart to be able to be free to respond to the expression, to the to the state of my mind at that point of life. And I want my body to be responsive to that. Right on, man. Well, you have achieved that as far as I can see. You know, yeah, well, thank you. I'm sure there's more to do, but. Yeah. So can we do a crass advertisement? Sure. Your services. So with what you know and what you've said, uh, you we'll take on clients as a coach and bring all of this to the party. Who would be an ideal client for who, for you? Who are you looking for? People that are ready to, that are sort of, that feel like they're in an evolutionary relationship with their own life and want to include the body as part of that journey and have experienced things with their body that feels like it's limiting them from their own sort of evolutionary unfolding. That if I could resolve this injury, this kind of illness, this trauma, then I would actually be able to really evolve and fulfill my full potential, evolutionary speaking. So there's unresolved issues with the body, conflicts with the body that feel like they're fixations for you i think there'd be a potentially good fit yeah yeah well said man and that's right in the integral bullseye you know how i like that can i share my email and website yeah, I'll, I'll print it but sure okay uh, share it right here and now yeah so my my email is shane mcdermott coaching at gmail.com and my website is mind body being 
mindbodybeing.org. All the three words together, mindbodybeing.org. So thank you so much, Shane. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, stay tuned for the next Daily Evolver. Okay, be well. Be fucked.